Hey there, I'm Jade. And I'm Josh. And on this episode of Our Taste is Trash, we review the action comedy The Man from Toronto, talk part two of Stranger Things season four, and discuss the amazing rebound of Umbrella Academy season three. So remember to rate, review, and follow wherever you listen. Stick around. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back to another episode of Our Taste is Trash and Jade. It uh, feels like it's been weeks, actually, but it really has only been literally a week. A week. Yeah. Like, it, I've been <laughs> all over the world. Well, not all over. Just okay, yeah. to some nations that are freer than ours now. I've been to uh, Canada. for. I went to <laughs> Niagara Falls, did Made of the Mist. Saw mm, Toronto, classic. which is ironic because we're reviewing this week the man from That's Toronto. Right. Uh, it's it was great. Had some. Uh, I got to introduce my wife to a bunch of firsts. Like oh yeah, the uh, poutine. Even though it's not technically from Toronto, but we still had some. It's uh, Canadian. Yeah. We had well, not Canadian bagels. That's the wrong term. But we had Montreal bagels. Ah uh, uh, yes, yeah, which are different. They're did you guys different. go to Tim Hortons? We did. I did. I took did her to Tim Hortons. I said we got Tim Bits. Oh, That's right. And you have to. You know what? They were just okay. Like. No, of course. They were exactly what I thought they were. Like, Denny was like, oh, you were talking this they're stuff. They're donut I'm like, holes. They're donut holes. I it's was like, not it special. It's not, you just, it's just to say you've had it's just them. A, yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Now you've had Timbits, and now it's just one more thing. I think that people like Danielle, like my wife, don't understand this. It's just one more thing to feel superior to other oh, human beings. Absolutely. Yeah, like, just, because. Just to say that you, you did something or you had you yeah, experienced now, something. Now you can be like, uh, you haven't had Timbits? Like, have you lived? You've like, never been to Tim Hortons? Never been to Tim Hortons. Like, they have them in, like, the U.S., too. Yeah. Like, come on. But you can't really count that. I mean, that's No, like, it doesn't count. It's like going to McDonald's in another country. Like, it's it's McDonald's, oh, but it's not the same. None of you get the special, like, oh, menu items that they don't have in the United States. But that's States. a whole different experience. But, like, I'm saying, but yeah, yeah. if you're going to experience you get chicken McDonald's, nuggets in, like, Italy, yeah. that's still chicken nuggets. Oh, you know, another thing, just to feel superior to other people. I think you've said you've done this. I, before I hit the airport in Buffalo, mm-hmm. I actually went to for the first time in my life even though i grew up in upstate new york went <gasps> to anchor bar oh my god yeah yes, you yeah. know what they were i've had better wings i think other people are doing wings better there are some people doing wings better but they're still solid i will say like not to you should still go they're yeah they're still fantastic wings. but for those who don't know anchor bar is where buffalo wings were invented it's in buffalo new york and yes. so you can get like this mat what they do is they have this like giant tray and they just pile the shit yes. out of like wings on this tray and they just slather them in sauce it's fantastic did oh, they have a pianist when you were there they didn't know we kind of went like middle of the day so it was like mm. right before the dinner crowd and everything but J- jade i think also inflation has hit anchor bar because Ugh. 20 wings jade i'm not even kidding 20 wings was almost 30 dollars. jesus christ yeah, it's fucking outrageous Do you remember when he's, like you see like 50 cents for a wing yes J- jade the reason that time. we all used to love wings in college was because you could get like two dozen wings for like wings like the nothing, poor man's like eight dollars like yeah. it was great it was fucking amazing wings and beer yeah oh, God. and yeah and well beer too was like a dollar anyway let's uh, here or there but uh, weekly watches jade uh, you probably had a little more time than i did for weekly watches i was literally go 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 i was you know just out seeing things i got sun which is odd in the north because i don't <laughs> go outside here <laughs> but uh i did watch a few interesting things on the plane and, mm, and okay. you might I, I went really film bros on the plane uh, so, so you got to bear okay. with me here first movie i watched on the way there huh? licorice pizza how was that 
<laughs> I expected you to like really just come down hard on that. And no, we- I like Paul Thomas Anderson. And I remember when the previews for Licorice Pizza came out. I was very interested. But then when I discovered the age of the characters, I yes. was a little skeeved out. So I was also skeeved out during the entire <laughs> movie. But I think the way Paul Thomas Anderson wrote this, and you have to say his name, all three of his names, right? Every time you say it, of you can't course. just say Paul. That's like, or you, like you can Paul just Th- say, yeah. you know, Wes for Wes Anderson. Like, get out of here. <laughs> so. It does feel uncomfortable the entire movie, though. And it's kind of the point, which I'm like, okay, like it, you never really feel comfortable with it the entire time. Interesting. People have argued that that is actually the film. They make it seem okay, their age gap. They do try to make it seem okay at certain points, but I don't know. There is some, it's gross. Like, I, I at least felt gross the entire time. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. But I, I was kind of like, ooh. <laughs> but what was interesting is I think if anyone else tried to make this movie, it would be boring. Like, to be quite honest, like, mm-hmm. not much actually happens in the plot itself as yeah. far as, like, if you were to describe it. I mean, it's basically about this kid who's very interested in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and he opens a couple of businesses and has a relationship with an older woman. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's what the whole fucking movie's about. That's a lot of, like, indie films. <laughs> yeah, but it's, like, it's actually really interesting. Like, yeah. I mean, the, di- the dialogue is just top-notch. Like, the way that it's shot was very interesting. I was, like... It was over a two-hour movie, and I wasn't bored the entire time. Oh, holy shit. I didn't yeah. know it was that long. I think it was like, and you might need to check this, but I, I want to say it was like 2.10 or 2.15, something like that. Oh, wow. It was not a short movie. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought hmm. it was interesting. But right. again, I think if anyone else tried to make that movie, no. No. Okay. I also I also watched On the Way Back. I'll say this real quick. Uh, I had not really heard of this, but I guess it was a con film winner in like 21. Um, it won back. Uh, it had Best Actress, but it was a Norwegian film mm, called okay. "The Worst Person in the World." Oh yes, yeah. I think it's on Hulu or something right now. It's streaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, odd. Like, so <laughs> you don't like independent film? I would not recommend watching this. <laughs> literally, it starts out. Be, it, it was like this movie will be told in twelve chapters. So literally, yeah. So literally, they have you know a uh, was it a prologue. Then they mm-hmm. have chapter one. But it essentially, and it's, it's, this is going to sound oversimplified, it's about this woman at different stages of her life through relationships. Mm, so it starts out okay. like she goes through three relationships in the movie. And it's kind of about her own self-discovery, you know, very indie movie yeah, stuff, but yeah. like has some very interesting um, conversations. I think it does a halfway decent job from a man's perspective, me, uh, <laughs> you know, like dealing with, I think some very complicated female issues, like when it comes to okay. everything from sex to figuring out what you want in life to having a relationship with older men, same age men. Like it's very kind of interesting. And it, and it's one of those movies too, that kind of leaves you, it, it has a beginning, but it kind of drops you into a story and then just immediately drops you at the end, mm, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Like, I, I, yeah. I would definitely watch it again, probably, just to kind of maybe gain some more perspective. But uh, yeah, I liked it. I think it's something maybe got a little bit overlooked. But okay, Jade, what have you watched this week? Probably something so, not as indie, I would imagine. No, uh, <laughs> this is for sure not indie. Uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring <gasps> Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. Ah. It was solid, I will say. It was a solid film. And basically, it's like a parody of Nicolas Cage and his life. And he kind of gets wrapped up in this plot to like take down this like Spanish like cartel guy. Um, absolutely incredible. The, the way Nicolas Cage plays himself is incredible. His like ability to understand how kind of insane he comes across is amazing 
And Pedro Pascal, oh my God, his character in this, so he's like this massive Nicolas Cage fan and he basically pays Nicolas Cage to like come out and spend like a week with him, I think like for his birthday or whatever. And the like relationship that develops between the two is Amazing. I don't Amazing. know why, but it's hard to imagine both of them in the same movie. Like for they, me, it's, it's hard for me to, to put no, that together No, I totally in my mind. get it because I don't think they've ever crossed paths. No. But they're incredible together. I'm <laughs> in love with this. There's a one scene in particular where they get incredibly high on acid and oh, they Jesus. decide to write a screenplay together. And I... It, I love it so much. <laughs> Is this... You know, you know what this movie made me think of as soon as I saw it was... Uh, the movie with John Malkovich being John Malkovich. Yes. Is, is, is this like Nicolas Cage's being John Malkovich? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's a little bit more of like a, a thrill ride, less so much about like him being him, but it, oh my God. There's oh, just amazing. so many things in it. And I love that he completely understands exactly how he is portrayed in Hollywood. Like, I, I, I just love it. I love it. This sounds fantastic. Yes. Uh, um, Oh, big, sorry. Another, <laughs> another thing that I think I've watched and I don't think you've gotten to yet Uh-oh. was the drop of season two of Only Murders in the Buildings, the first I ha- two episodes. Oh, this, so I'm yeah. behind on this and the boys, Jade. Like, <gasps> Please tell me it's not bad. Please tell me that they kept, kept you know, going. It's good. The first oh, two episodes okay. started out well. I think, you know, we saw at the end of, ep- of season one that they discovered a dead body and Mabel was found over the body and the three of them are being arrested. So... Now it's kind of the story of like who murdered that person. We get a little bit more history about the building of the Arcana and um, a little bit more about the past of like Charles Hayden Savage. They explore a a new relationship for Mabel, uh, which is kind of interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, so far it's solid. You know, it's great. And we've talked about this on the show, but I mean. Martin Short and Steve Martin seem to be having the fucking time of their careers. Like, Um, absolutely. It just. That set has to be. I mean, I've heard stories even to kind of support this, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I bet you that's like such a fun set, like that just to be on with all of those people. Oh my god, absolutely! And I mean, Selena Gomez. I mean, she's like she's having the time of her life. Well, like, like even in interviews, she said that she just was not prepared at all for basically like how things would be on set because she's would say that like Steve Martin and Martin Short. First of all, they've known each other forever. They're living legends. Like, could you imagine as your agent oh. being like, "Hey, you're gonna oh be. We want to cast you." Steve Martin yes. and Martin Short want to work with you. I'd be like, holy hasn't fuck. Hasn't acted that much. Like, yeah. not including, of course, her entire stint on Disney. Like, I mean, she's really accomplished. She's a known name, but like, that's a different tier. That's like saying, right. I, I'm sure anyone, even Brad Pitt, would be like, hey, you're going to work with Bill Murray. Like, I'm sure, like, even yes. as an accomplished actor, you're probably like, holy fuck. Well, like, well yeah. <laughs> and she said that, like, because, like, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short have been in the comedy business for years. They've done SNL for years. They've done countless films together yeah. so you have this shorthand and they would improv i guess like a lot on set and they would just be, like back and oh forth quick 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 and so you know be like she- <laughs> can you imagine like i know me and like i just imagining like being in my trailer like making sure you get those fucking lines down so you like, know perfect. that scene yes. and then all of a sudden fucking martin short just starts spiraling out of yes. control and you're like holy fuck and what do Steve i do martin is over in the corner <laughs> oh, he's just picking, picking it up, up. Oh, my God. and you were like ah uh, uh, like how do i respond to this i'm but, a terrible like <laughs> this sucks so she you know but it, it's great though because both steven and martin were both like you know selena's done a fantastic job she's <sighs> like picked up things quick i'm like to get that kind of praise from them i would simply die yeah <laughs> i mean right i'd be <laughs> just, like um steve martin and martin short said i was great. i'm like i never have to win an award <laughs> 
This is all I need. I heard that, you know, they both of them, uh, Steve Martin and, and Martin Short, one of the stories I had heard was they don't, like, play on their cell phones a lot during the set. Like, I, yeah. I think they try to stay off them. They, like, one of the things they enjoy doing is playing board games with each other Ugh. and with, uh, like, the cast and the crew. I love that so much. Yeah. So, like, they're just sitting there in between takes and they're, like, playing fucking chess and, like, checkers and, like, all these other games. you're still, that keeps you in the world of like whatever you're working on, you know what I mean? Because I think when you turn to your phone, you're like out of it. You're like back in your real world with your problems, things that you're reading, you know, people you're talking to. And I think when you decide to do that, and especially if you're interacting with your other cast and crew, it makes this more like tight knit, more like, you know, familiarity and comfortability. I wonder if there's even like an age thing, like in terms of, you know, them having worked so much together, like, I oh, think it's a yeah. thing that because I've heard that like again like we said this they get along great with the rest of the cast they get along great with the crew I wonder if that's just something they picked up from working on a lot of sets together you know oh, just kind of like doing sure. something fun that you can really well, just get along better been with all the people since around before you. cell phones yeah <laughs> that's crazy right like, <laughs> right you know so it's like I'm sure that that's probably something they started back then because it's like what else did you used to do yeah. before you had a cell phone between takes Cocaine. so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, lots of cocaine. Um, but, you know, so I, I, I know. Being on that set has been incredible. Movie review. First look. Our movie this week, which mm. is The Man from Toronto. This is going to be really short. Jade, <laughs> initial thoughts. You know, this was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's a funny little action film. Nothing complicated about it. You know, it's got your typical Kevin Hart, quippy humor. Woody Harrelson still playing the the gritty, you know, kind of man. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it was a thoroughly enjoyable film. It wasn't, you know, breaking any sort of barriers or doing anything different. But I, yeah. I think my first comment is, I'm not going to be critical of any of the actors right now or the script or the directing. I hope that this is not what we continue to pay our Netflix subscriptions for. <laughs> because this is this is exactly, this is a white bread movie. And what I mean by that is it's just, or popcorn movie, maybe it better. It's a popcorn term. movie. It's just like, yeah. you don't need to think about it. The plot's something you've seen a million times. Yeah. There's no surprises. It's oh, just yeah. what it, and you it, know it exactly did, what's going to happen. And it didn't need to be two hours long, but like no. I feel like Netflix is very much getting into this rhythm with a lot of its new releases. Is it's they're recycling storylines that people are familiar with. They're bringing yeah. in big name actors and they're just doing movies. But like, I get it because the thing is, uh, here's what I think everyone does not understand about Netflix. They are not the HBO and the Apple TV Plus where they release things every three months. True, they're releasing consistency because. They're not buying up as much property anymore, but mainly because people who own those properties are not really giving the time of day to Netflix. Yeah. So they've been kind of put in this position where they need to be releasing constant, you know, like films and television series. So in between all these popcorn movies, they have really amazing films, just like their series. But I think people focus too much on the popcorn films who don't enjoy them. But then there's people like... I have family that that's the only type of movie they like yeah, to watch. Yeah, I can see that. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I think we're critical because we expect more from film because we enjoy more thoughtful film. But there's people that this is the only type of thing they like to watch. I think the reason being is, is you know, the two movies I was talking about earlier, like Licorice Pizza and, you know, The Worst Person in the World. Yeah. Those are out of the ordinary. You yes. know what I mean? Like, like those themes. I mean, we've all seen this in, in those of us who love indie film. The themes in indie film get 
you know, it's kind of like the Devil Wears Prada. They get matriculated down into mainstream at a yes. certain point 10 years later. Yeah. But it gets, you know, washed and sanitized for the masses to enjoy. You know, there's mm-hmm. not like harsh, overbearing themes. Yeah. There aren't like really surprising, like, you know, there's not a bunch of like, you know, male frontal nudity or like, <laughs> you know, yeah. things that are too overly suggestive in terms of like, you know, current day issues. Mm-hmm. It's just all boiled down into something that you can do in two hours and forget about, you know? And, yeah, yeah. and like, but I think, I think you're right. I think that yeah. may be it is that I think I'm at a point in my TV watching or, or movie <laughs> watching where like I want to be surprised. Right. I want to and I, see something different. Of course. And I think too, you need movies like this because this is what everyone's gonna be watching. And then that, that gives true. them Ugh. that gives them the funds to pay for the things that they can take risks on. The you know romas what I mean? of the world. But like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, you know, like because I'm sorry, but this movie was what, like number two or something on Netflix? It was. That shocked that shocked but me. It doesn't shock me. It's just because of Woody Harrelson and, and, and Kevin Hart. You have two major names. Yeah. Again, it's a simple plot. You can follow along. It's not that it's bad. You can walk away and like and come back. In, like you, you can, can walk play away on during your this phone. movie, yeah, and, and come back and still know what happened. And you can watch it with like your teenage kids. You that know? is true. It's PG thirteen. Anyway, Jade, let's get to our main topic because <laughs> we both wanted to talk about this. I I literally stayed up and last night and finished it today to be done with it. The what five hours? Mm-hmm. The last two episodes. So we're talking about season four, part two of Stranger Things. Also. Disclaimer here, Jade, because there is some confusion still out there, even to people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> this is not the final season no. of Stranger Things. They there will be a season five. Season five, yes. It's still a shock to me that that's a thing. After Because, Jade, here, correct me if I'm wrong. I want you to correct me if I'm wrong here. here. Okay. You know I will. <laughs> I, this is not a Mandela effect. There was an announcement that season four was going to be the final season at some point, right? Yes. I believe when they were in production for season four, they had said that this is going to be the final season. And I think they said that because production was pushed so long for this season. And I think at this point in the story, they felt that it was time to wrap it up, especially because, as we know, the kids are so much older now. So much older. Um, And so I think that was everyone's expectation going into season four was that this is the last season until rec- very recently they announced that there will be a fifth and final season, which, of course course you have to know now after watching the last two episodes of season four part two because there's no way you can end where they ended no not have another season so so let's maybe without giving away too many spoilers let's do a trash and treasure of the final part of season two so what's trash about these last two episodes because i have a few issues okay um i don't know i think for me it was one was the, the the time on the on each episode. So each episode is like almost like two and a half hours long each. Yeah. And they did these cuts in the episode that felt like that's where the episode should end and a new one should begin. And I was like, you, why Jay. are we making them two and a half hours long? Just cut it up into more episodes. One of the biggest issues I had was especially episode nine, where it felt like there mm. were, there's one in particular, but multiple false endings for me. Yes. Where, you know, there's there's a point where they cut to black and I'm like, oh, and I almost got up and was like, I'm ready for credits. Like, ready to yeah. go. And they're like, no, there's another hour left. And I'm like, what yeah. the literal fuck? That? And for some reason, and I think this just comes down, and this happens, I've seen more and more, we've talked about this in streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. There was so much goddamn monologuing in the final episode of Stranger Things. Oh. Lots of monologuing, which I felt 
could have been trimmed. I didn't need as yeah. much monologue. For, and it was almost every character. Well, almost every major character had a monologue. the was, is those monologues, to me, I think would have been fine had it been the final episode. You know what I mean? Like, if we yes. weren't going into another season, and this was the end of the entire series, the monologues would make sense because it's a way of wrapping up everything that they went through. Or even divide it up into more episodes. If you had yes. had those monologues in separate episodes, yeah. I would have been fine with it. But it was like, Steve had a monologue. Uh, Lucas had a monologue, mm-hmm. like all of these characters. And it's like five, six minutes. And I'm like, D- why? Why do I need yeah. this much information? I don't know. But let's let's go more. Uh, yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. I was going to say, I, kind of continuing off of that. Yeah, yeah. Like that was another thing too that bothered me was like the timing was weird where they would have these monologues. I'm like, where's the the pressure? Thank like, you. Why do we have all this Thank time you. to like go off on these long tangents when like literally time is of the essence? Because episode eight was, I felt like episode eight was very like, go, 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 go. go, go, go. go. Like, go Everything's go. happening. Plans need to have things. And then like the beginning of episode nine was like, go, go, go. Wait. Hold on. I need wait. to give you this yeah, Wait. Long... And, and then at the end, it was finally like, go, go, go. And then even the last Past part that. of the episode was like, yeah, mm, we can wait. And I'm like, yeah, what is happening? I kept being like, I'm like, is time not of the essence? Yes. Like, I'm so confused. No, it it felt like, you know what? It felt like an episode of 24 where everything was happening in real time. Because you're like, holy shit. Yeah, like, yeah. why is it taking so long? So long. Uh, what was Treasure, though, Jade? Oh, God. There <laughs> so was much. a lot. I mean, I think like these, there was these beautiful, brilliant Cinema, like cinematographic moments that just built like they did such a good job building the emotion the pressure of the scene where like i josh i the last episode <laughs> i think i cried for almost the whole episode like i was there was a, a lot of, of moments tears. yeah and and not even just for sad moments but for happy moments too and like i think that says a lot that they had this amazing buildup because i've had certain moments happen like quickly you know, I don't think I would have gotten to a place where I would have cried as heavily as I did or as much as I did. I think, you know, between the music and the the way they shot it, I think they just did such a brilliant job of capturing all these emotions, the kind of direness of each scene, you know. I, I, yeah. I, I love some of the character development that we got. I mean, some characters mm. I'm getting really tired of, but I mean, yeah. what I did love <laughs> is the, the character arc of Elle. It just continues to get better and better. Ugh. Hopper fantastic amazing yeah amazing like his whole story like i felt for a minute maybe in the mid-season he was going down a little bit but i mean i don't think they knew what to do with him in between he's he, he's only gotten better i, I this whole russia yeah. thing i thought was gonna be totally his, shit same but his it was arc fantastic this season has been fantastic yeah. I, I can't wait like he's one of the few characters he's one of the characters i'm excited for next year mm-hmm. um I, those are probably the two that stick out to me the most in the entire you know in, in this season also, just what they've done with music in uh, this. I mean, just I mean, with Kate Bush's song alone, the, the amount of times they've... They had a synth version God, of her song in a jo- certain yes, part. And I was Josh like, and I were talking about this. If you guys don't use subtitles, here's another reason why you should. Because you get these fantastic explanations of sound and music. And so at one very dramatic moment, they play, of course, another rendition of Kate Bush's song. And the description was epic synth version of Running it. Up the Hill. And I was like... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's great. Like, there's even another funny moment between Lucas and Max where it was like, I, I'm trying to remember the exact description, but they were having a touching moment and it was like, you know, over, intense romantic song, upri- yes. like uprising music of romance. And I was yeah. like, this is the fucking The descriptions hilarious. are so like, good. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh my God. But no, I, I agree. And I think too, the introduction of like 
Eddie has been fantastic. He's yes. been a great addition. And kind of speaking on that, you know who I just kind of didn't really need this season was Robin. Yeah. I don't think they knew what to do with her after they introduced her last season. Like, Agree. Although, can I say, these last two episodes, the erotic tension between multiple characters, both on the heterosexual side and the homo, uh, like homoerotica in this, <laughs> this is so how many times Are you did you about the children uh yes i am <laughs> Josh, Josh. back me up here how many times did you think will and um mike, mike were gonna kiss because okay. it was so intense there was there was, <laughs> there at was least a one moment. moment i know exactly what you're talking about and at first i was, I was like, like oh my god i sat there and i was like Cause I'm like, I don't, you know, Will or not Will. Uh, I was like, Mike for sure is not interested in Will that way. No, but, but Will by is the end, for sure. Oh yeah, but by the end of that moment, I was like, I don't know, they might kiss. They like- might. <laughs> Jade, there was like, I, at one point, I'm sitting there. There were multiple moments in the show where I'm like, are they gonna kiss? Like, and it wasn't just Mike and Will. There was like so many oh, instances where I was other, like, yeah. are they gonna? And can we? Uh, you know who the third character is? Who I left out. Steve character arc is the best in the entire oh, series. Oh my god. Steve is the best. His arc in the whole yeah, you're right, and the whole series has been phenomenal. You know what's so funny too is I remember back in season 1, I literally thought he was just this throwaway character. Me too. He was this douchey popular boyfriend of Nancy that he wasn't going to matter. I actually thought he might die season he, 1. He's you know the heart mean? of the show now. Like he is one of the heart he he's is. the heart of the show. Which is why when everyone was talking about how like he might die, I was like I they Do can't not. kill him no. because he's literally the heart. You oh. kill everyone else. You I, you kill all those kids. I don't give a shit. You kill all There's those kids. Do not kill Steve. Most of the characters to be honest. I <laughs> I would be sad, but I'd be like uh, okay. okay. That's fine. The show can yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah. Steve. Steve? No. 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 <laughs> No. Show is done for Getting me. It, it's done. I, um, I would write. Like, no. No, we're not getting rid of Steve. We can't do that to us. Yeah. He's like, fantastic. I just think the way that he's changed as a person and, like, how involved he's become in the whole... Like, he's been an integral character this entire time, yes. fighting against the Demogorgons the Upside Down the entire time. He's the one person whose monologue I would have kept in and not cut at all. Oh, I mean, even though it gets all of them on. But his just opening up to Nancy... And the whole thing about wanting kids and... Josh, spoiler. I'm spoiling, sorry. But I mean, he has this fantastic monologue. Where, and I'm like, Nancy, fucking wake up, man. She still like wants to go back to Steve. And I'm like, the Steve is a fucking schmuck. Like, he's Steve a piece Jonathan? Of shit. Oh, Jonathan, damn it, Steve, sorry. <laughs> Wrong, no, no. But but Jonathan, Jonathan is a fucking piece of shit. Like, who, he's I, done what? nothing this he's whole done season. Nothing. He's just gotten high and he didn't apply to college. He barely did anything last season. I know, I know. I don't, I don't know if it's because the actors are dating real life that they keep them together but it doesn't make sense it doesn't like steve should have oh not steve i keep saying steve because he's, he's in my mind but like jonathan jonathan should have died at some point this season <laughs> he should have he's the one character i would have given up i would have just given him up i don't think he should have died but i definitely could have just seen him being kind of like you know what i don't want to be a part of this anymore yeah you know uh, what I mean? Like, everyone, would, no one would have missed him. Yeah, no. I one. think he could have just not come with them along the journey, you know, and it would have been okay. I think it would have been completely fine. Uh, well, definitely, we're, we'll, maybe we'll do some spoilers next week. Definitely go and catch up on Stranger Things if you haven't yet. It's it's all anyone's going to be talking about. Yeah, it's all so. anyone's going to be talking about. It's a several hour commitment. I can understand why you haven't. I had to stay up to watch it, and it's great. Like yeah. fucking fantastic. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We still need to talk about the man from Toronto and Ooh. season. Wait, three. Three of Umbrella Academy. You knew what I was going to say. Uh, we'll be right back after the break. 
now, our feature presentation. Hey, Toronto. You ready to go back to work? We need an extraction of information. Meet at the safe house in 19 hours. You're early. You're on time, you're late. <laughs> Ain't that right? Follow me. You're gonna take me on tour. What is it, a game room? Airbnbs, you never know what you're gonna get. Who is that? This is the man from Toronto. I'm so, wait, what? I'm the man from Toronto. And he's here to torture you. Why in God's name were you in that cabin? They wanted me to be the guy that you guys are looking for, but I'm not that guy, but I had to act like I was. Oh, what this? No. They wanted me to torture the guy. I'll dig these goddamn thumbs in your eyes wait. and I will love it! What's that? Our movie this week is The Man from Toronto, which is a Netflix original. It stars Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson, amongst others. But, Jade, I guess before we get started here, uh, tell us a little bit about what this movie is about. <laughs> so, <clears throat> the summary says, The world's deadliest assassin and New York's biggest screw-up are mistaken for each other at an Airbnb rental. Okay, so this is already, I'm going to say I'm confused by this movie. And, and here's why. <laughs> because... They spend so much time telling us locations, I got really confused. And maybe it's because I was in Toronto this last week. I thought, because there's a little suburb, if I'm Mm -hmm. not mistaken, of Toronto that's called Yorktown. And that's where we find Kevin Hart. And I was like, oh, okay, so this makes sense. Like, Woody Harrelson's character is from Toronto. Kevin Hart's from Toronto. But that's not the case, is it? I don't think it is. So, because we... Realize and it's established in the rest of the movie that just because you're the man from whatever city, that doesn't mean you only are active in your city. And I think, and I think when they're talking about Yorktown, it was Yorktown, Virginia, because they go on vacation to some other podunk town in Virginia. And it seems like it was a quick drive. It seemed like they, and it was like their car. Somebody says, my car, when it explodes. I don't think they drove from Toronto to Virginia. But what's confusing is some of the establishing shots around Kevin Hart, like when they introduce his character, are from the city filmed in Toronto. Because they have the shot of the CN Tower. Yeah. They have the establishing shot of the city of Toronto. And then even some of the exterior shots he's walking around on the railroad tracks those are shots from toronto like because i was like oh i recognize that building i was just there on those tracks that's like near kensington market that's near this so i was like very confused geographically about the movie at first i mean that is where they filmed it so oh, so i'm not crazy <laughs> so, I mean, but, no i mean not crazy they filmed it there but i don't think that that's necessarily where kevin hart lives because if you think about it he obviously is broke, doesn't have a ton of money, which is why he rented some podunk cabin in the middle of nowhere. You know how expensive <laughs> it would be to drive from Toronto to freaking Virginia? Well, with today's gas prices. But, you know, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And then like, also, it's like, if you had that choice, why wouldn't you go somewhere in New England or New York or even like, they end up in D.C. and then... Canadians don't have the best taste. They love to come to Florida. So, I mean, let's just, you know. But everyone wants to come to Florida. Listen, it's, yeah. People want to shit on us, but they also want to be us. That is true. (laughs) Like, come on. But, like, yeah, no, I think it's in Virginia. And then I think that's why it was, like, a big deal and a big surprise when, like, Santorino, whatever the hell that agent's name is, Santoro, uh, brings her to D.C. for, like, her birthday trip. You might be uh, wondering, those of you out there, why we're talking this much about locations and things. This might be the most interesting part of the whole movie for us, at least for me, Jake, because (laughs) 
I don't. I have. This might be the least uh, amount of notes I've taken for a movie to date, and we've been doing this almost date. a year. Oh, I've done less, but I didn't have a ton. Did not have a ton, but let's. You know what? Let's start out on a positive note here. Let's let's <clears throat> let's talk about what we enjoyed. What was treasure about the Man from Toronto? So I think for me, it was definitely the last fight scene in Marty's gym um, with all the, there was the man from Tacoma, the man from Tokyo, and the man from from Moscow. Moscow, Um, This was like the best action I think we got so far. Like the fight scenes were interesting and incredible. The camera work, like the the cinematography on this was really good. I love this like kind of fast paced, quick moving whip pans of like the camera. Um, and they got in some really good comedic moments in here as well. And so to me, that was probably one of the best parts, you know. Yeah, and I think this makes a lot of sense. Like the 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 director is uh, Patrick Hughes for this. Mm-hmm. He also directed the Hitman's Bodyguard and the Hitman Bodyguard or the Hitman's, Hitman's wife's. wife's Bodyguard. So I think that makes <laughs> sense. He's, he's an action director. So, I mean, yes. there were maybe, what, two, three action sequences in this movie, which I thought were to me, I also wrote down some of the highlights of this movie. Like, they were great. The action sequences were fucking great. The one great. in um, Puerto Rico when they're like jumping from balcony yeah. to balcony on this, like the, the what are they, curtains or whatever. Fantastic. And I think that's where the experience of Woody Harrelson shines. Mm-hmm. The the quick, you know, quip, you know, acting comedic yes. moments of Kevin Hart. I think all of that ties in really well to these action sequences. That's what they shine the most. Also for me, I wrote this down as a treasure. They had a running gag throughout the entire movie of no contact boxing and the the amount yes. at first it was annoying but the amount of times they incorporated <laughs> it into just these little moments made me laugh so much every single time it worked really really well yes. and especially because the final you know scene in the end he finally has to punch someone and when he does <laughs> he like breaks his hand <laughs> it's so great so basically uh kevin hart's character is terry is his name teddy teddy they said it a million times they did say it a million times i just so there's I have some problems with this movie if we're going to get okay, to that. Okay, okay. But it, it's, he's a salesman, essentially. It's always coming up with a new idea. And this is his newest idea is no contact boxing. And he's trying to pitch it to anyone who will listen. And everyone's <laughs> just like, what? Like, what? why would you do that? Why would you box Why would you contact? box without no contact? It doesn't make any sense. And he's like, like it's good cardio. <laughs> okay, but here's the funny thing is that already exists. Does it? Yeah, it's already a thing. I mean, I know there's motion, martial arts that no, has no, 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 no contact. Like, but... we have it here in Tampa, and I know there's other gyms that do this, you know, punch fitness. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's boxing. So, yes, they hit bags and stuff, but a lot of it is you're punching the air. It's you're just using the forms of boxing, but you're not actually you're not sparring hitting. Or, yeah, you're not yeah. hitting an opponent. So, and it's exactly for what the reason that Teddy's talking about. It's cardio. It helps build those muscles because you're still performing the same motions, but you're just like not making contact. So it exists. It's I have a, I have a lot more to say in this next part, Jade. But what was trash for you? Because I I don't know. Here's my take, real quick. Mm-hmm. I didn't write down like there is not a lot about this movie that's like maybe air quotes trash per se, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the whole thing is just mediocre. Like the majority of the movie is just. It's just eh. nothing in particular shines and then nothing in particular fails. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I would say for trash to me, it was this movie and said it once, I'll say it a million times. This movie did not need to be an hour and 50 minutes. This could have easily been an hour 20, to be honest, because at the hour mark, 
It felt is, like it was two and a half hours. Like yeah. there were times in this movie where I was like, is it over? Yeah. It just kept going. Literally at the hour mark is when they're on the plane going back to DC. And I thought for sure, like, okay, they're going to go on the plane. They're going back to DC. They're going to quickly wrap this up. They're going to do the meeting. The meeting is going to, obviously they're going to foil their plans and then everything's going to end. And it did not. No. And I was like, <laughs> why the fuck did, is there another like 40 minutes to this thing? Like this makes no sense. And to me personally, I think where they could have cut everything out was honestly the entire plot with the wife. Thank you. Yeah. J- Jade, I, you know, at first I thought this was going to be endearing, but like the only thing they used this wife character for, one, I feel like she was written by a man. <laughs> of course. First, because well, she had The no, writers are all men, so yes. That's true. Well, there you go. She had no character outside of Kevin Hart, which was crazy to me because she's supposed to be like the successful one in their relationship. Yeah. And- you're right. Just like like nothing happened. Nothing progressed with the wife except to set up what happened with him and then to kind of dovetail at the end a little bit. But yeah, so it, didn't- it really made no sense. Like, I feel like, you know, most of the scenes where he, he calls in to her and he's worried about that F- FBI agent, oh God. you know, like that, that whole that thing been cut out too. that was yeah. so necessary. Basically, this like FBI agent who's this like really handsome Hispanic man gets put in charge of watching his wife and he takes her on this like grand like birthday vacation thing. And so then he gets jealous. And then in the end, like the, the agent clearly seems to be in love with like Lori, his wife. But like none of that matters. None of it no. means anything. And then in particular, they could have cut out the entire scene at the restaurant where um, he meets his wife and her friend Annie, played by <gasps> Kaylee Cuoco, for dinner, and they have another fight with the man from Miami. I think yes. they should have ended in Puerto Rico. The man from Miami should have stolen the thumb, and then when they were flying in, I think it should have been they went straight to the hotel to make the meat and finish the rest of it. And if you wanted to keep Annie in, because I think she was a great character. Yes, I, that's um, what I wanted to say, Jade. Like, yes, she was. Yeah, I think you could have easily placed her in, like maybe when they're in Puerto Rico and they're at the hotel, like they could have met her at the bar and then you know Woody Harrelson the man from Toronto has a little back and forth with her and then he's like okay I gotta go shit's happening and like hands her his number or something you know Kaylee Cuoco was only in this movie for what all of five minutes in total but her and Woody Harrelson we're so great. Great together. chemistry. I loved I, it. I, I want. I want a whole movie with them. I want like if it is a spinoff of like the two of them yeah. him running his restaurant, doing assassinations on the side, and then her being like the you know the wife that is like bring home the money and or, like helps him like with his assassinations or something. Would love it. Yeah, I mean because Teddy and I forget what his wife's name. Lori, I think it's Lori. Yeah, mm-hmm. Teddy and Lori. They were supposed to be the main love story of this movie. The the you know romance yeah. story, but the five minutes we got with. Anne and the man from Toronto was fucking fantastic. Like, it, was, it was all great. Like I was like, yeah. oh, I wanted more. I was like, yeah. oh, wh- what are they we going to do? Great interactions. Yeah. Like again, like I said, great chemistry. I thought she was also an interesting character. Like she had a personality versus like Lori. They gave her a zero personality. She's zero. Just the it was cr- sad because yes. she, she's an accomplished actor. It's, uh, she's played by is Jasmine Matthews. Yes. She's been in things. Well, she's been in things like the uh, Tomorrow War, which we all try to forget about. Uh, I think she was in Blue Bloods. I mean, she's been in she's an accomplished actor. She's been in several things that she, people yeah. would recognize her from. I know that she has her the acting chops. Her character just wasn't given anything. No. She was just the pretty face who's like loyal to her husband because the whole time even though he's like fucking around she still gives him so much like breadth you know like she's still like thank you so much for this like vacation like you're going above and beyond i love you so much baby blah blah blah, blah. 
you know what I hated too about this? I mean, speaking not just of, of Jasmine here, but I mean of Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has been really making some strides in his acting. Like, I haven't watched this yet, but uh, Fatherhood is a movie that I've been hearing a lot about. Oh, right. Where he has really breaks out, it sounds like, in his acting to do something a little more dramatic and serious. I feel like in this movie, all we got was a copy-paste of Kevin Hart that you can get in any movie that he's been in. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it was, it was a lot of just his typical quips and yeah. little things. And, and it, it just gets old for a, two hours. Right, yeah. I was going to say, it worked in a lot of places, but, like, yeah, it, did, it got stale a little bit. And, you know, like I said before, and, you know, an hour and 50 minutes was a little too long, I think, for this movie. Who do you think had the best performance? I mean, we kind of shit on Kevin Hart there, but, I mean, who had the best performance in this movie? Um, Although Kevin, of course, I think still did a good job. He's, he's Kevin Hart. Uh, To me, it was Woody Harrelson. Yeah. As the man from Toronto. <laughs> I mean, like, he just... We're an agreement here, James. Yeah. Woody just always brings something to anytime he's on screen, no matter yes. how big or small his role. I think he he just always has, I don't know, he's more depth to his characters. I, I agree. I, I think he brings more depth, but also, you know, with Woody Harrison, I feel like he can do literally anything. You know what I mean? Oh like, God, yeah. and even in this role, he was able to bring this kind of straight man, mm-hmm. you know, kind of comedy vibe, but also he was able to really hit some comedic timing yes. and bring some humor to his role. I mean, the whole scene in the, in the, you know, in the diner, not in the diner, the restaurant where he's mm-hmm. sitting there and he's like, I don't do well with women. Like yeah, yeah. just such a contrast <laughs> to what we like, saw. I get uncomfortable around women. <laughs> I, I get very uncomfortable around women. So it's like really funny. Cause all we've seen him do up to that point is literally like intimidate and yeah, kill people. He's been this like strong badass, And yeah. all of a sudden he's like, I am uncomfortable around women. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> What's happening? So you get the comedy, you get the, and then you get the action. Like his fight scenes are fucking fantastic. Of course. Like, well, cause he's done it all at this point, yeah. which by the way, I will say, you know what else just came on Netflix is, Natural Born Killers, starring Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis, and I highly recommend you guys go see that. You know, it's good. It's it's not my favorite. Like, it's not my footy, favorite Woody Harrelson, and oh, it's not well. my favorite um, Juliette Lewis. No, I can't think oh. of the director. The, the director is like really famous. Oh, I of, can't remember. Uh, either. Holy shit! Um, I don't know. I get it. It's just for me, like it, that's one of those movies. I feel like like Reservoir Dogs. That like you know everyone who thinks they're a film bra. Like oh, watch, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, you haven't seen Natural Born sure. Killers." I'm like, "There's a difference it's very between in your like, face." Like, we a, get the point of the movie. A good film, but it's not like the Oliver epitome. Stone. The, That's who it yeah, is. There Oliver you go. Stone. But it's not like the epitome of film. It's but, not, um, but it's. I mean, but I will agree. It's worth. It's something it's worth you should watch. watch because everyone has. I feel like anyone who's watched that years ago, especially directors or writers, emulate that in some way. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, so we've got our best performance, Woody Harrelson. I think we both in agreement there. What about quotes? Like, mm. I don't have. I usually have the movies we select a lot to pick from. Yeah, Surprisingly, same. for a movie that stars Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson, they weren't a, this is not a quotable movie to me. Yeah, and, and there's like funny moments of things that they're saying, but it also relies heavily on what's happening in the scene. So it's not... The quotes themselves aren't inherently funny if it's not attached to the action. So, like, this is yeah. why I think there wasn't a lot of funny quotes because some of these quotes, like, by themselves sound funny, right? But, like... That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, like, you can... This is not a movie I would quote with my friends. You know, like, right. you're sitting there and it's, it's just funny to say, like, eat your dinner, Tina. Like, it's not... Yeah. That's inherently funny, even kind of out of context. Exactly. Because like, it just sounds yeah. funny, right? Yeah. But what, what do you have um, any written down? So for me, one that stood out that I thought was pretty great was never box at me again without actually punching me in the face. 
Again, Woody Harrelson. Like. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, this is when like Teddy is basically telling about his no contact boxing, and he's like, "What is no contact boxing?" And he's doing his little punches at him, and that's his response. Never punch in my face. <laughs> yeah, Ted, don't never box at me again without actually punching me in the face. I think for me, actually, I selected a, a Kevin Hart line here, and it's it's only funny. Again, this is funny in context of the movie because. They have this running joke throughout the movie, again, where they call things teddying it up. Oh, yeah. So, like, when you fuck something up so bad, you're teddying it up. And, yeah. and like, apparently he worked for, what, a law firm at one point? And he, because his, his, we get introduced to this by his wife. And there's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know what? The, the law firm, they call it teddying up. And he goes, what? Yeah. I, I'm I'm a what? And he goes, you're, 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 you're a verb. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so everyone seems to start doing this. And... They have the final bad guy showdown, and he's trying to flip these switches to get them out of this garage <laughs> warehouse that they're in. And he ends up dumping the bad guy accidentally mm-hmm. into a vat of, I thought it was acid, but I guess it's, it's boiling, boiling water. water. And he's yeah. like, <laughs> Kevin Hart goes, Oh my God, I, I boil the goddamn white woman because of you. <laughs> <laughs> because that was really good. <laughs> it was, that was one of the funniest, like, and I feel like that is true to Kevin Hart in terms of, oh. I wouldn't be surprised if that was almost completely ad-libbed in the moment. Oh, uh, Over sure. multiple scenes because that was actually really funny. And like, those are the moments I appreciate Kevin Hart, but I think it's really hard to watch him. And maybe it's just a me thing. It's hard for me to watch him as a main character play that role because mm. it just gets, it gets tiring. Like, you know what's going to happen when he's on the screen all the time. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I can it's still funny. That. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he not is, many people yeah. can just do that. Like, no, I know no. that's a talent. He's a massive talent. I think he's great. But, like, I think I was just hoping for more of a, like, dramatic role for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just kind of something. I wanted something a little bit more, like, interesting in terms of, like, the comedy. You know, I just feel like it was the very typical, like, And slapstick. I wonder if a lot of that was the writing. You know what I mean? I wonder if that was just, they gave been. him a very bland role and just said, hey, be Kevin Hart. And he's yeah. like, all right, like, I mean, I'll, I'll try to bring this I to life. I can 100% see that because it's written by like three white men so <laughs> i guarantee you it was like they just had the basics and they were kind of like yeah you can ad lib and then kevin was like okay <laughs> i can imagine him like look at the uh, i love i love I, one day i want us to be big enough where we can get kevin hart and be like kevin like listen like we're oh not shooting God. on your movie but yeah this could have been really this could have been yeah. better right like this could have been better you yeah. were great you were great but I mean, like there was a good they did have another good runner that i really liked of kevin hart's was um it was a low toner situation when he keeps trying to explain how he got into the situation where he is because basically he printed out the the address oh, to his like rental and the then he keeps being like he's like it's a low toner situation and they bring it back in the fucking end and it was fantastic <laughs> And I was like, yeah. Is it yeah. a one? Is it a seven? Is, is that, a, yeah, yeah. What is that? Uh, that's a one. <laughs> is that, that's, that's a one. <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, any other scenes that, uh, that, that stick out to you in this movie that, that were like, oh, that was, that, that was all right. That was good. You know, I also like really enjoyed some of the moments with the man from Miami. I just like the portrayal of him because, <laughs> you know, it's, he's Miami. So he always has on these like pastel colors and funky patterns, like business suit, drives a Lamborghini. He's like tan, like with coiffed hair. And I'm just like, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. typical Miami. Well, and he also beats everyone to death like, with a golf, golf club. club. <laughs> and I'm like, that's if that's not Florida, I don't, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? Like, well, just, Miami in particular. Yeah, Miami. <laughs> like, just fucking makes sense. And he's always driving around like an overly obnoxious, expensive car. Yes. Every single time. Because so it's just perfect. If you've ever been to South Beach, that's all that's lined up on the street are like Lambos and Ferraris yeah. and like, yeah. You know, I did learn a very interesting piece of trivia from this, and I thought it was fake. I thought it was one of those so things. So did I. I double checked I double checked Wikipedia, everything else. Else, okay. well, anything else but 
did you know this, Jade? And and before reading it, because Woody Harrelson's real life dad mm-hmm. was an organized crime member who was a real life hitman. Hit, yeah. And he's serving two life. I don't know if he's dead. I, I didn't check yeah, this. It says he received two life sentences for assassinating federal judge John yeah. H. Wood Jr. in 1979. Because yeah. he was a real life hitman. Like yeah. apparently he worked for the mob or something and yeah. killed people. Charles for Harrelson well, is his father. Mind blowing, right? Like this yeah. is fucking crazy. I don't know why this is the first time I've learned this. I have followed Woody Harrelson for years. Like per- in person. Yeah, no, in, not stalked. Let's just like, <laughs> in person. Like his address is. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's fucking crazy. So I was like, how did how did someone like Woody Harrelson get in? Apparently, Woody Harrelson's grandparents were fa- fairly famous actor Which actress. Checks out. So, but. Again, I guess their son got into organized crime and was a fucking hitman. Like, that's... Fuck, yeah. It's fucking crazy. I thought it was made up. Like, I, I totally thought it was no, made so up. No, so I... Because I, I read that and I was like, well, before I mention it on the podcast, let me, like, do my research. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I was like, this is crazy. I can't believe I've never knew this. I never heard of this. You know what was interesting? Um, I didn't check into the reason for this, but they did list that the original casting for this movie... Uh, okay. Jason... Uh, Jason Statham. Statham, yeah, was supposed to be the man the from is- Toronto. And I was like... You know, I could still see this being almost the same movie, but like it would have a completely different vibe to it. So, okay, completely same, different vibe. Because I read that as well, and I was like, it still would have worked, but it just would have felt completely different. Because yeah. Jason Statham does do comedy with his action, but he's but it's much more of a straight man. Yes, I was in say, his comedy, like he can't. He's not as versatile, straight man. And like when he says stuff, like it could be funny, but it's still on the basis of that he's. Serious. But it's always in like. This voice, like he also, can never get out of this. I have a question. I was like, would they have to change the title? Would it be like the man from Bristol or something? Like, because <laughs> he he never deviates from his accent hardly. He ever. will never do an American accent. Yeah, he will only do his British, which is fine by me. I but mean, that's definitely not Toronto. Like, no. you know, and uh, yeah. unless they were, I mean, like he can be technically if you like moved there when he was older, but still, yeah, it's, not not if you're going by the by the storyline of him growing up. Near you know, a lake that, and his father or that was another great scene. Like the first scene where we get introduced <laughs> to Woody Harrelson, and he's telling this whole story with the knives, and he then he admits later on, like, I haven't killed anyone since like this one incident. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like yes. you know Well, because like basically he says like he grew up on this like town in the middle of nowhere on a lake, and it was like during winter and the like lake was frozen over and his grandfather got attacked by a bear, and he said that apparently like bears fillet their victims, victims or whatever. Alive. Yeah. Like, and he and watches his grandfather get, get filleted by a yeah. bear and he becomes like an orphan. Like that's like his origin And he's story. like, and he's like, and that's where my feelings were left on that frozen tundra or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, he's like, lake. so anything you say, you can scream, you can yell. <laughs> I have zero emotion left to give. And I'm like, holy fuck. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, what, whatever well, you Well, that's why the guy gave him know. the information. That's my favorite part is he never even tortured the first guy. Yeah. He just told him that story and then held a knife to his face and the guy's like, immediately gives him the information you know what always amazes me about movies like this where they have all these like torture scenes they need to bring in specialists mm-hmm. i Jane, i don't know who these these nobler than thou criminals are but like Jane, unless it was an absolute like i'm giving up the people closest to me mm-hmm. you wouldn't need to bring in specialists i'd be like yeah this is this is what i know like let's just get this over with like come on Jane, come on I mean, are you really? It depends. Are you on the, really listen. holding out? Like, if you if you have something that's like, oh, it's money or something, I'd be like, yeah, this is. Oh, if it's money, I don't care. If like it depends on the circumstances. If this is like hundreds of lives, I yeah. would rather just die. Sure. Yeah. Because I'm like, it's me versus a hundred people. But it's not just the dying; it's the torture before you get to the dying. 
Oh, yeah, but... That's a lot. <laughs> I have vasovagal syncope. I'd pass out before anything. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my heart would quit on me before, so... <laughs> Dude, I don't, have, I don't feel like I have that luxury. I feel like I have a lot of adrenaline in me, so, like, I feel like... Oh, no. Yeah. My adrenaline would make me pass out. That's the <laughs> oh, problem, so... <laughs> that's not... The only time that comes in handy. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine you, like, trying to explain that to captors, like, hey, I've got this good... <gasps> Yeah, and they're like, "What the fuck? Wake her up!" And then you're like, "No, no, no! no. I have this." And I would. I keep passing out. So you're like, "We can't." We need to, and they're like, I don't know what to do. Like, she keeps, she's she keeps passing out. passing out. I don't know what to do. Well, especially okay? too, because like, like, if they were trying to do anything to like my fingers or whatever, the blood leaves my appendages. Oh my so like, this happens when I get my blood drawn, and like, like whenever I get my blood drawn, like all of a sudden when I pass out, like no blood will even enter into the thing <laughs> That's anymore. Not funny, it is because it because it, it all goes to the center of my body, oh. and like <laughs> you see them trying to do that, and like no blood is coming out of like my hands, and they're like, "What the fuck? What the fuck is happening? What are we dealing with?" Uh. <laughs> I just like wake up like. (laughs) 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 Anyway, where do you put this uh, as a rating for this movie? Um, I think everyone knows this is a shelf. Yeah, I I was halfway through the movie and I wrote shelf and like I I almost put I I put like a slash trash and then I was like it got to the end I was like okay shelf like yeah I mean I'm not returning to this movie I'm not gonna watch this again I'm not gonna recommend that people like hey if you want to watch it great if you don't. It's a popcorn film. It's exactly what you expect it to be. And I think if this is your bread and butter, then I think you're going to find it fantastic. You know, listen, you know, I think it's the perfect movie. Like if you want to watch a movie with your significant other and don't want to have to worry about like, oh, no, the dog needs to go out or I need to use the bathroom or. Yeah. Or feel like your family's texting you or like. If you want to be on TikTok, like you're not going to miss anything if you just like. Do your laundry your to it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's fine. You're, yeah. you're not going to get lost. It's, you're going to find some funny moments, and then you're going to forget you ever watched it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. sad way. Yeah. I mean, it's a sad way to end, but uh, that was our review of The Man from Toronto, streaming now on Netflix. The man that you're talking about is a, is a, is a real crazy person. Kills people, chops them up. Come on! Hola. I am the man from Toronto. Objection. No. I'm the man from Toronto. Oh, ah! This is on you. Hey, yo, My clients think you're me, so you're going to complete the mission. You have no idea what I'm going to do to you. My bad. You don't have to kill me. Don't ever touch me like that again. And in case you forgot, our movie this week was The Man from Toronto, streaming now on Netflix. But Jane, you know, we kind of cut short our weekly watches segment. Yeah. I mean, mainly because I haven't been watching much this week because I've been traveling. <laughs> but you had mentioned a few other things. And, and one of the big ones that we left out mm-hmm. was Umbrella Academy. Yes. Because I, I know you had watched it last week. I'd only watched one episode. Holy <laughs> shit, this season was unreal. Dude. Unreal. I... This is what I've been waiting for for Umbrella Academy because season two is like lackluster. And that's an understatement, Jade. Yeah. Anyone who loves season one, I, I don't know one person that went, wow, season two was better. Like, yeah, the only was, standout the thing from season two was Klaus and his cult and the whole Backstreet Boys <laughs> thing. I think that's the thing that everyone remembers from season two. And the rest was just kind of. Eh. You know what was crazy? I found myself going back to review season one, like on, uh, you know, the online Mm -hmm. during season three, because I had almost forgotten because of how bad season two was. I had forgotten what some of the powers were 
of the original Umbrella Academy. They barely use them. Because they barely use them. I was like, wait, wait, who had this power and who had what did I had forgotten at one point what Klaus's power even was because he literally didn't do anything in season two. It was insane. But this season, Jade, I mean, it was incredible. Some some of the highlights for you, like because I have. Oh my god! So definitely. Season one, episode one was the dance off. I don't want to give like too much away, but I mean, that was just absolutely incredible. Um, the music by far, which I mentioned last week with the Jeremy Renner song, um, there's just so much music in here that plays so well in every scene. I mean, I feel like that was kind of their thing that like they were known for because, no, I'm sorry, but if you're original source material was written by Gerard Way, lead singer of <laughs> My Chemical Romance. Like, you have to have good music. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a standout for me as well. Oh, 100%. I mean, the music for me was was definitely one of the number one things that stood out. And, and to me, it correlated with what we got in season one. Yes. I don't remember anything memorable from season two in terms of music, score, anything like that. But, I mean, there were just some great comedic timing moments mm-hmm. and just some overall, like, holy shit, this is great music. Like, yes. moments in season three here yeah also just the character development we finally push forward the character arcs of some of these characters that we like pretty much forgot about yeah in season two because every one of them was stunted in some way Mm -hmm. in season two where it was just like no one's moving forward yeah Every episode felt like a repeat. A no loop. one's like growing their powers no. or like growing themselves. Like, yeah, season three brought about also not only that, but we got so much more backstory about their lives, yeah. kind of where they came from. Um, the they, trauma that they experienced yes. as kids, you know? And then like the introduction of the Sparrow Academy, I think, was also fantastic because they were kind of the vision of like what they could have been. Yeah. And what they should like, well, in the eyes of Hargreaves, what they should have been. Um, and it's interesting because they're looked at as like, oh, we're, you know, they're the fuck ups, right? Like they, <laughs> yeah, like they, they couldn't make it successfully as superheroes. Like, you know, the world didn't love them the way they love Sparrow Academy. But then the more you get to learn about Sparrow Academy, you kind of realize that they're not really heroes. Happy. And, yeah, when they're not yeah, heroes and they're and not happy. happy. Yeah. yeah. Like they're, everything they do is kind of fabricated and they're all just kind of in it for fame. It's not really about like themselves or helping people. It reminded me, the Sparrow Academy reminded me of a like less toxic boys yes. situation. You know, That's less abusive boys yeah. situation. That's exactly where, what I was thinking yeah. about. Everyone's very narcissistic and self-serving. Like at one point, Ben from Sparrow Academy says, you know, like, we haven't had a proper villain in a long time. Yeah. Because of all their powers, they're so good that regular humans that they're fighting against are nothing. Mean nothing, yeah. Mean nothing. So, like, when they start fighting against Umbrella Academy, they're like, oh, people that can actually, you know, give us something back. Yeah. You know, I I actually loved the storyline, the relationship that we got with uh, Diego and, oh, I forgot her name. Lila. Uh, Lila. Mm -hmm. I thought it was great. I mean, just a quick spoiler in like, I think it's episode one or two, she mm-hmm. literally shows up, <laughs> drops off a 12-year-old kid with Diego and says, this is your son, yes. goodbye. And she's and, like, take and care of like, him. What? <laughs> like, you just go, what? And like, yes. that character's great. Who's also, that actor is also uh, from the show, which I very much enjoyed, Euphoria. He, he plays oh, the... Oh, um, he's the little kid that gets like kid. shot up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Like, Sorry to spoil Euphoria. It's actually odd to hear his voice because he does not speak. In Euphoria, oh, he has Euphoria. no speaking lines because he's like a mute from birth or something mm, like that. Or interesting. He has something traumatic that happens to him where he's 
he might be selective he's like, mute. He's selectively mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you never hear him speak. So like to hear him have a voice in this is like, You're like odd. Because to me, I, I'm so used to him being this hard character that hearing him have this young voice is like very jarring. Yeah, seeing like, more like an actual yeah. kid. Yeah. But I mean, there's so much more that you get. I mean, to me too, it's like it's the snappy comedic lines that you get in this. Yes. It's which is again, I feel like more correlated towards season one than it was mm-hmm. towards season two, and. One thing I'm going to mention that I wasn't happy with in this mm-hmm. season, Jade, is what's going on with the character of well, it's number four, the um, the rumor character. Oh, Allison. Allison. I always forget her name because the reason I forget her name is because they make her so one dimensional. They turned her into this just angry character who had no real purpose. No, like basically they they make her motivation is that she's trying to get her daughter back because after the events... Her daughter uh, and her husband, who both don't remember well, she, her. Well, no, she, it's her ex-husband. She doesn't go for Oh, it's right. Ex-husband. I forget. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I get the storylines confused with her, with the husband that she had in season two and the ex-husband she yeah, had. Yeah, because she knew while when leaving in season two and leaving the 60s, she was going to have to leave her husband, Ray, there behind. And the only reason she even left him, because she didn't want to leave the 60s, is because she wanted to get back to her daughter in her current timeline. But obviously when they arrived, because they fucked up shit in the 60s, um, her daughter doesn't exist. Yep. So now she's like on this rampage. But the thing is, is everything that she does, all of her actions go directly against 100%. getting her daughter back. Thank I you, didn't Jay. understand that. Is Do you think we got such poor character development on her because this is a show written by men, right? I mean, and it's yeah. also a comic written by a man. I, mean, uh, I don't know. I think so. I think it's, I think it's hard when you have people that don't really understand like female motivation and especially when you're making her motivation about her child like I think you need to have a little bit of perspective about what it means to be like a mother and what you do to like be with that child and I think this is very one-dimensional in terms of like she's just angry and she's gonna take it out in the world because she can't have her daughter doesn't exist whatever I'm like no when you're a mother and you are even given a sliver like a slither of hope that you could possibly get your child back I think as a mother you would exhaust every possible option you would try everything that you possibly could instead of rampaging against fucking everyone because i mean what what i did is kind of look back after thinking about her character and why i disliked them but it also just made me think i don't think women in general are written well in this series like some of them have some great comedic lines but like do any of them really drive the plot forward well not re- Maybe I mean, well, Victor. I was going to say, yeah, when Victor was Vanya, like Vanya had a lot more going on, but that's because Vanya was also but, set up as the villain. But Vanya in season one and two was the catalyst. Yeah, like the villain. That's what I'm saying, they, yeah. were, they weren't. They weren't like a good guy or like a person that was really right. making decisions or driving things. She had yes. this uncontrollable rage. Yes, and it was never even the perspective of being a female. It was always just yeah. being othered. And then when Vanya becomes Victor, which I think is fantastic, but that also leaves... Allison as being the only female of that entire group. Like, she's the only woman. Of the Umbrella Academy. I mean, we still have two characters on the Sparrow Academy, but still, they're not very strong by themselves, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like, Faye is very powerful, and she has an interesting look and personality, but she's not a strong character. She never does anything on her own. She never makes any decisions on her own in the entire season. No, well, Faye does. When? 
Yeah, Faye basically wants to be number one. Just oh, like she ben. does, but like I feel like she never takes it. At least uh, Ben takes action to well, do that. Right. Faye never takes an action on her own. Which That's true. She does rely a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and then Sloan is completely just turned into this like love eye, heart eyes, you know, character. She has almost no autonomy because immediately when she meets um, Space Boy number one from yeah. Umbrella Academy, she's like basically only into him, does everything for him. You know what True. I mean? Like Which is kind of her- odd because, I mean, I I didn't understand why she got so infatuated so quickly. Same. I didn't understand that I at mean, all. I mean, I did kind of like the relationship. I like their relationship better than when Allison and, and number one were together because to me that never really made sense. Like when they tried to get yeah. them together in season one. Well, in the comics, Allison and Space Boy... Luther. Luther. I, I, noticed, I was, trying, I was like, I, I, his name, I was like, um, I know it's number one. Allison and Luther in the comics, they have that attraction to each other, but they never act on it. And it's yeah. always just under the surface in the comics versus like in the Netflix series, they have him act on it like twice. Yeah. And I think maybe that's the issue is like if they had just kept it this like under the surface, we're kind of attracted to each other thing. I think it would have made more sense because I feel like that can happen if you don't act on it because i think when you act on it you're kind of like you feel like you know yeah. you're like oh no this didn't actually work this this is just an infatuation but i feel like when you're con- constantly like you know like you have to be a part i think that adds that element of like you're always going to be talking to this person because you could never be with them yeah type deal but yeah. I, did, I did like i did kind of like luther's relationship with um oh, sloan. sloan i thought it was kind of interesting like i don't think it served her any no. good as a character but it made him a little more. It will. It was all in service of him. It was. Oh, it was. Yeah, 100%. it was to, to soften him a little bit. I, I feel like we can't leave <clears throat> talking about Umbrella Academy without talking about Elliot Page and the transition from Vanya to Victor in the character that happened. Yes. I want to say this might be one of the more interesting ways that a trans character was introduced and accepted mm-hmm. in a series and. I mean, because here, let me just get the synopsis here was literally when Victor, Victor go, or Vanya goes to get at that point a haircut and becomes Victor. Mm-hmm. She comes to a couple of her siblings after getting a haircut that's a little bit shorter and goes, hey, um, it's Victor now. Yeah. I and just, everyone just like takes a minute and goes, oh, OK. Oh, OK. Great. Yeah. Victor. And then immediately. And just, just moves on. Yeah. Just, and like other people find out like later on and they yeah. just go, when did that happen? Yeah, uh, like, why did no one told me? It was just cool. kind of more of like, a, oh, I wish I wasn't on the loop. But, like, it was never this big to-do. And I mean, I, I, I can't speak from a trans perspective, and I, I'm not going to pretend to here, Jade. But, like, to me, that was interesting because in so many films, and sometimes, you know, I think, depending on what you're writing or how you're mm-hmm. doing it, this could be worth it. But, I mean, not worth it. That's a poor choice of words. But, I mean... I feel like when something like that happens in, like, say, a teen drama, oh, you yeah. know, you have you will you will have this broad spectrum episode about it where it would be like, you know, over the top people like I support this decision. They have multiple monologues. Like, you really mm-hmm. this person, you know, gets all these different you know support. And then there's that stereotypical like I always call it the you're the freak character bad guy because oh, for yeah. some reason whenever anything is different a ki- bad guy in a movie calls someone a freak which yeah. never happens in real life but they're like <laughs> you're a freak and and neither one of those things happened no one crucified her for mm-hmm. being or him for mm-hmm. being trans and no one really went over the top out of their way to be like oh we accept you and we need to have like the celebration coming out for you although one point Luther does say he wants to <laughs> 
Matthew does want to plan a celebration for Victor, and then they're like, "Why?" I forgot about. The- yeah, yeah, dude, don't make this weird. Like, yeah. you're like, Victor's stop making like, this weird. It's it's okay. But like- do, you, do you think Elliot Page had a hand in like creating this moment for this character? I I feel he had to because I assume obviously after he transitioned, you know, there was discussion with him about whether or not he would continue on playing Vanya, and Elliot had stated that he would have been okay still playing Vanya as female, um, but. When the writers decided to go ahead and transition the character as well, I'm sure they brought in Elliot and probably had him, you know, say, like, how would you like to address this in, like, you know, in the terms of, like, the script and everything? And I'm sure that he had a little bit of a hand in it as well. And I'm in the same boat, you know. I, I think, liked it. Yeah, like, yeah, I appreciate that, you know, and I don't mean to say this to, like, take away from a moment somebody does come out uh, as trans and and has that and everyone has different ways of how they want to celebrate it how they want to be treated but i i will say that hollywood tends to have this thing of almost it's like too much it's like pandering it's like uh it's almost kind of like this thing of like we have to go all out and say all the right things versus like you know, sometimes I think it's okay to just be like, oh, yeah, this is normal because it is normal, yeah. right? Like, it's just this something that... And I, think, and I think that's what, for me, struck a chord. And I was like, this is such an interesting take because they just immediately normalized it. They immediately yes. respected the decision. All of the characters, good and bad, yeah. respected this decision and immediately adopted the vernacular. You know what I mean? They were yeah. like, oh, this is Victor. He is doing this. He, so his pronouns. This is him. Yeah. This is... And I'm like, this... Is exactly it. like, and, and I'm maybe I'm an asshole, Jade, but when it comes to a lot of, you know, sensitive issues like this, where it's like, oh, this person is whatever, homosexual, this person's trans. Who, my first thing is, who cares? How yeah. is this hurting anyone's life? If that person life. wants to do that, they want to be called fucking they, yeah, him, like non-binary, her, yeah. They don't want any of that. Great. Sure. They, done. Him, her, fine. Great, let's move on. You know, like, and, and yeah. I think that the funniest thing for me, and maybe this is just my weird sense of humor, but what I love is not only did they immediately accept Victor, but they still treated him like an asshole when yeah. he was an asshole. <laughs> they were like, yeah, I fucking hate you. Yeah. It has nothing to do with this issue that you just mentioned. Yeah. You're still just a fucking asshole. Right. And yeah. I'm like, yes. Like, like, uh, yes. Allison basically decides that Victor is the enemy and the way she treats him is like shitty, but it's never like, I'm treating you shitty because you're trans. It's I'm treating you shitty because of our past relationship. Because of our past relationship yeah. and because you're my sibling and I fucking hate you. Exactly. Like, you know what it's I mean? Like, it has like, nothing <laughs> to do with like his sexuality or his choice of like his like, gender identity, anything like that. Like, Because let's face it, I don't care what color you are or what you know sex you are or what you know what your sexuality preference is sometimes you're just a fucking asshole and that's what you are <laughs> and it has nothing to do with those other things i just think you're a fucking asshole yeah but like i i enjoyed that and i know we've gone on this a lot but you watched a couple of other things this week jade that are kind of interesting yeah so two kind of quick recaps one is <laughs> this reality show that dropped that i knew was going to be stupid but I was like, I kind of wanted something mindless. And it turned out to be a halfway decent show, Snowflake Mountain. Oh, my God. <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> it's exactly how it sounds. It's basically um, the show takes some 20-something-year-olds who are considered snowflakes. Although I think they use the term snowflake wrong in the show. They're just privileged kids who, <laughs> like, they never had to work for anything in their lives. They're handed everything. Um, you know, they don't have jobs. They don't have income i they don't think any of them are in school so that must be nice to be rich oh i know right that's <laughs> that's the thing that none of them really recognize that honestly i was kind of like uh, hello huh? like, your parents are rich that's yeah. how you can be like this yeah. but anyways but basically the parents at this point are like 
they're like, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to like push them out on their own without being too harsh. So they sign them up for this snowflake mountain where the contestants believe they're going to this resort, that they're there, asked there as influencers. This sounds like the crazy shit that like people did in the 90s where people were like, you know, your troubled kid and then sent them away to like yeah, some Christian sort of camp. camp. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like they got abducted like in the middle of the night. Like a reform school. Yeah. 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 Insane. But so yeah, they bring them there and then when they arrive, they realize that they're like in like the middle of nowhere on this <laughs> lake and there's like these two country boys from America, like roughnecks, they're like veterans and they're basically like take everything out of your luggage that you deem necessary and then when they do they like blow the luggage up um i'm doing your quotes because obviously they would never do that but like then they put them in these like little like tents and everything is like rustic they're like off grid there's no electricity so they have to like pee in porta potties use outdoor showers they get their water from the lake they have to cook their own meals they have to forage and they basically teach them all these like outdoor skills they teach them how to like build a fire they have them like skin and cut up a deer to like eat for dinner they can't have just do they have like tablets for the lake or something like that or they just drink lake water I think they had iodine tablets. They had to, because like, here's what people don't realize. Like, sorry, I'm going to go on a diatribe here for a minute, Jade. Yeah, you can't what just people, drink. What people don't realize is even like when there is fresh, fresh water, water. you can't just drink you it. You can't just drink it because. Gosh, I know. Y- even, even like people say like, if you're in the wild, you can, moving water, like drink that. Your body has to build up the, yes. mi- what is it, the microbes or because the organisms. Because you haven't been consuming that your yes. whole life. So there is all sorts of stuff in that water. And if you are not used to drinking water, it will immediately, that's what I was going to say, Jade. Like, yeah. As a Boy Scout, someone who has done that and done yeah. camping trips, you're in for a world of hurt if you just drink straight from a fucking river. Yeah. Um, yeah, we used to use iodine tablets or you can bring like a water filter with you. And I'm pretty sure that's what they had. Okay. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> they would collect the lake water, but I'm almost positive they had some sort of filtration system for it or they had tablets or something. But yeah. But essentially, they have to like complete these different tasks and they have to do it kind of as a team. So they're told like they have... The pot is fifty thousand dollars. If they, if everyone goes through and completes it, then one of them has a chance to win fifty thousand dollars. If somebody quits, then that goes down by ten thousand dollars. So, in your opinion, was it worth the watch if you like reality TV or not so much? If you like these types of shows, I think it's worth it. Okay. I thought it was like cute, fun. It was nice to kind of watch them grow, and it wasn't for me. It didn't feel overly produced. Like it mm. didn't feel so fake and like. I didn't feel like these kids were being, I say kids, they're like in their <laughs> early 20s, but to me, they're like kids. Um, they didn't like, it didn't feel like they were like pushing them to act a certain way, start drama a certain way, like behave a certain way. That's refreshing. I yeah. mean, that's refreshing here because I mean, that's that's what I hate about most reality TV now is that everything, every interaction is scripted and you yes. can just tell. What? I think there was only like two moments that felt a little off to me. One was this character, this, I say character, one was this kid named Randy who had a crush on one of the girls there and there were some moments where he kept like trying to bring up the crush and the relationship that probably felt like a producer told him was like, hey, you should tell her that you like her. Ugh. You know, and then there was one character, God, character, one kid. Same thing. Character. It's the same thing. It's, same it's, thing. A, it's a show. Yeah. Who they kind of think pinned out to be the villain and i feel yeah. like he was pushed to certain things like because he also had a crush on like the same girl there and then in the very beginning like they were each given tasks to find food and they found food and it, it was like real food so like he found marshmallows and chocolate and um, graham crackers to make s'mores but he decided to hide it 
from everyone. So like, what a dick. I know. <laughs> so then when he kisses a crush on this girl, he's like, oh, here's a treat. I'm going to give you chocolate. And she's like, what the fuck did you get this? And he's like, oh, I found it and I hid it. So then it's like, I was like, oh, I feel like I was a producer. I was like, you should give her the chocolate. <laughs> the chocolate. Yeah. Like, but other than that, I mean, it was fun. It was All right. cute. All right. All um, right. Second show. I only watched one episode, but Money Heist Korea. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. It's been on my list. I haven't started. I've been so behind, but like, I want to watch this. It's interesting because it seems like they're following the exact plot of Money Heist Spain. Oh. Um, they have the same character, so we still have the professor, Rio, Tokyo, like Denver, all of them, except this is interesting because in the story, North Korea and South Korea join forces monetarily, so they create one economic system. So now they're still somewhat separate governments or entities, but like you can now travel between the two countries without any sort of restrictions. And now hmm. there's one single monetary system so that you can use that money in the North and the South. And this was supposed to stimulate both economies. And so because of this, they built one single like treasury. And that's where, of course, they go to Are going money. to heist all the money? Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean... One, you're one episode in? Yes. So you're thinking yay or not enough information yet? I don't think it's enough. Okay. I will say they have vastly pushed the timeline in this. Like what happened in Money Heist Spain in like five episodes, I feel like has happened in this one episode. Interesting. So I feel like I need to watch a few more episodes to really get a lock on if it's going to be good or not. But Well, let's talk a little bit about the movie we're going to review next week, which is streaming on Hulu, Hulu, and it's called The Princess. Now, we went back and forth on a couple of movies, but like, you know what I think we settled on this, The Princess, is because this seems like the action movie I wanted out of The Man from Toronto. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was funny because you looked at the director on this, and it turns out he directed um, an action film that I personally love, Fury, and it's incredibly choreographed. It's a Korean movie, right, you said? Funny enough? Uh, Vietnamese. Vietnamese. Dang yeah. it, almost. <laughs> but still, I, I, I'm going to try to watch that as well this week so I mm -hmm. can kind of get an idea of where he came from. But this also stars, I, I, maybe not oddly enough in our minds, but maybe to some people, Joey King. Yes. Well, because I don't think she's done an action film like this before. I don't think so either. I mean, she's done some dramatic roles. She's done, which was, what is the one that she did with the um, the miniseries with? Oh, uh, Patricia Arquette. That was the act on Hulu. The act. What was it? Munchausen's by proxy, right? Yes. That's the thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, so she did that. But also, I think most people might know, mainstream people from the Kissing, Kissing Booth, Booth. trilogy. <laughs> It's a trilogy, trilogy now, right? There's three? Yeah. yeah. On Netflix. Um, and, I mean, she's played so many other... Really, she was in... Um, she was one of the daughters in the... Holy crap. The Ryan Reynolds movie. Well, I can't think of right now with Steve oh, Carell. Oh, uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. yeah. So she's been in several films throughout her career, but the trailer for this is <laughs> off the wall. Like... It looks yeah. incredible. Yeah, it looks incredible. So what is this about? A quick synopsis. Uh, so the synopsis says, When a strong-willed princess refuses to wed the cruel sociopath she is kidnapped and locked in a remote tower of her father's castle, with her vindictive suitor intent on taking her father's throne, the princess must save the kingdom. Let's just say the producers for this also. I think the producers on this, um, if I'm getting all the titles right, the Fast and the Furious series, mm -hmm. John Wick, and there's one more that's also an action movie that I can't think of right now. But I mean, literally all the producers and directors on this film are nonstop action movies. Yes. So and that's exactly like if you watch the trailer, it's two minutes of her just cutting people's heads off. Like it looks freaking insane. Like she's just kicking ass the, the entire time. The music, I'm hoping 
is good okay. because the soundtrack seems like it's awesome. Yes, for this well, because the trailer was Bad Reputation, and I'm like, if they have music like this in this movie, that's supposed to also be this like I don't know what century, but it's castles and yeah. swords. So I'm if, down. I, that's I'm down. perfect for me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, modern music with this like old school set with like modern martial arts. Because you, you know, I'm really I feel like it was what maybe a Knight's Tale that really showed us. <gasps> That modern music can work in period pieces. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's actually one of my favorite things. They did it in Marie Antoinette too. Oh, there's. I mean, there's so many movies. So I feel many like now. post Night's Tale, Tale that did it, yeah. but I feel like Night's Tale was really one of the mainstream first that did it well. Yes. And they were like, "Look, you can make this work, and, and you can do it like, well." They use like modern hair and oh, yeah. like c- costuming that like felt within that realm, and it just worked so well. So I kind of hope this is a little bit like that. So catch up with us if you want to watch that this week. We're going to be reviewing The Princess, which is streaming now on Hulu. Jade, where can folks find us between now and then? And I'm going to do better about updating Facebook now that I'm not on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as Our Taste is Trash. And you can also find us on our website, OurTasteIsTrash.com. Have a great America's birthday. And if you celebrated Canada's birthday, have a great time uh, with that this past week, too. We'll get you on America. We'll get to more America next week. (laughs) Jesus. We'll see you next week. (laughs) To get ourselves a treat.